0: Hello. Hello. Oh my God! Is that? That's a really dumb way to bad? start. I don't know. I just keep man, listening. It's going to get better. I'm so spent.
1: I just. <laughs> Are
0: you? Um, things yeah. There? I don't know. Just everything's a bit grey, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's a really up way to start a podcast. <laughs>
1: That's right, yeah. If you're tuning in from Melbourne, yeah end up hoping for it to be uplifted. No, no,
0: we will be will be because. I tell you what, I have been, you know, looking forward to catching up with you face to face because we haven't been able to do it for a little while True. because of um oh, your spirit. your you know, getting a cough and oh, uh, yeah, and then <laughs> and then sex casting from your bedroom <laughs> <laughs> the, in an ABC
1: first. the uh, could I just say the corona test was, like it was nothing. I am sort of
0: surprised that people. Oh, it's really quite uncomfortable. What was it? Yeah, but that's from men who've never had pap smears, going like, "Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. it's invasive and weird." You're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Didn't "Let's take undies off." I'm counting that as a <laughs> win.
1: <laughs> going in for a courageous. The so story.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> Imagine if you were just a doctor that just invented the squat and cough test for COVID, just for fun. Like, just like, first of all, I'm going to take some <clears throat> some you know mucus from your sinus, and then I'm just going to cut your balls for no reason whatsoever, apart from my own amusement. There you go. Wow. This,
1: in about the three minutes that we've been rolling on this, we've gone from. Yeah, one wild extreme to another. you look for
0: entertainment wherever you can find it, Lee, and here in this watertight studio, airtight studio, you are my source of entertainment.
1: But you've been reading books. I have, actually. In fact, I have been following recommendations from you because
0: I knocked (laughs) off. Just let the listener be aware that as she said (laughs) that, she took off her glasses in an incredibly kind of pontificating manner As if she was doing me a great favour.
1: I'll just gloss over it fast because you talked about it a lot. Um, I did read uh, Such a Fun Age. Oh, yeah, right. That's okay.
0: So you're taking recommendations that I made to you about About a year ago. Okay. (laughs) Okay.
1: Uh, I read that on holidays. Look, I really enjoyed it. That's the one, just to remind people, it's about the nanny um, Mm -hmm. who – is she's a nanny for a white couple in Philadelphia, um, African-American girl. She goes, the woman, the white woman calls her late at night to ask her to take the child. The nanny takes the child to like a sort of 7-Eleven quite um, tight kind of shop. A woman, a middle-aged white woman who's shopping there thinks, oh, that doesn't look right, a young black woman with a little white child. So she calls over the security guard for no reason other than that and then Sort of chaos ensues from there. Um, I really enjoyed it. It was good. It definitely kept me reading along.
0: Yeah, I think um, you know, that book did this whole lot of spade work in kind of turning the spotlight onto white women who consider themselves to be terribly, you know, <laughs> I'm I'm so egalitarian because like the the comedy of this book is the mum then building her whole life around how she's going to um, make it up to this nanny who's to kind of like, mate, I'm just doing a job while I go to college, you know. Yeah. Um, And how she overthinks every single thing in terms of what it's going to look like. Yeah. And just makes the nanny's life
1: excruciating. Right. (laughs) And then,
0: you know, there's this kind of absolutely just unbearable, just kind of scratchy, under-the-skin conclusion, which is um, a It's very really – it's
1: well-observed yeah. and it's um, it's sort of – it's funny and it's black and it's thoughtful. Like it was – yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was great. The other thing that I've read uh, that you were banging on about is A Lonely Girl is a Dangerous <gasps> Thing by Jessie now, too.
0: That is a recommendation that you've taken in record time because I, I only read that a couple of weeks ago and was immediately just – Completely floored by it. I um, picked it up absolutely by accident. Um, it was I was just in a bookshop reading a book by another author that I had been sent and was keen to read, but then lost in my house somewhere because uh. I never throw books out and I'm such a horrible mess. And I just couldn't find it. So I'm like, "Shit, I've got to go buy another copy of it." Uh, so it looks like I it doesn't look like I'm rudely not reading it. Anyway, and. As I was wandering past this well-stocked bookshelf in um, Better Red Than Dead in Newtown, it just kind of spoke to me. It's got a great cover and a great title, I think. Yeah, a Lonely the cover, Girl is I'm, a Dangerous it's funny Thing. funny that
1: you say that because I'm literally Googling, as yeah. you're speaking, a, a cover design. I think, the author, I think the designer's name might be – is it a Kiko Cho or something like that? Um,
0: I don't know, but whatever whoever it is, they have absolutely nailed that it cover. It's
1: absolutely fantastic. And yeah. I'm sorry I didn't look up the person's name before I came, but I did actually look it up when I read the oh, book. Oh, did you? Yeah, right. Hey, I just, that's I great. I looked up the inside page because I just think the cover design is so arresting Yeah. and I think it suits the content of the book incredibly well. I could not have loved the cover more.
0: Yeah, so I picked – and I, I, in my curse, I was always going to buy it as soon as I picked it up. But then I kind of read the blurb and because some of it is set in New York, I thought, I just assumed it was a New York writer. Right. And also because the cover, it's got that, I don't know, it looks like um, a New York writer. I don't know why. Um, But then on the, um, as I was buying it, the um, person on the checkout said, oh, um, she's a local, like she lives in Newtown. I'm like, what? Anyway, the reason that I think it's, such an amazing book is. It's a first novel. Yeah. Like she's not very old, Jessie too, and it is so out there. Like it's really, it's incredibly forcefully written. It is, um, I mean, sometimes it's quite confronting. You know, it starts, it's, it's definitely not one for my mum. Oh, no. (laughs) It starts off. So the story is the main character is a former child star. She's a violin prodigy who's had some kind of thing, disaster, happen to her that ruined her career as a soloist when she was 15. But she's been traveling around performing since she was, you know, seven or eight. She's always been this extraordinary violinist, and she's got a bizarre relationship with her mother, who is clearly kind of like classical music showbiz mum. And she's got a complicated relationship with her old um, music teacher as well. And something's happened and now she's back in Sydney and she's kind of working casually for an orchestra, very, very messed up. And so it opens with her at some um, casual gig where she is blowing the bassoon um, player in the closet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's... Look, the the reason it caught my ear when you talked about it is because I just, I liked the premise of it and I thought, oh, yeah, I love a like inside an orchestra kind of thing. Yeah, I knew that that would get
0: you in like a little trail of garlic breadcrumbs. It certainly
1: did. Um, When I started reading, you'd really raved about it. Mm. And so when I started reading it, (laughs) I don't know if it was just because it was your recommendation, I was like, I'm not sure it's as good as crap things. But (laughs) But it's got quite a staccato style to the writing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've sort of felt like my ear for that voice had to get in. Yep. But then, and then as you say, it's pretty confronting because it starts off with the pretty, you know, bad sex, not badly written, just sort of bad sex. Um, and then it sort of goes from there. It reminded me a lot of Monkey Grip by Helen Gar yep. and mm-hmm. Head On by Christos yeah. Just in that they're novels about young people that feel really evocative of a certain time and
0: place. Oh, 100%. Her kind of nihilism is so bang on for the mood of the time, I think, Um, and the sense in which the narrator or the central figure is kind of unmoored. She's kind of uh, tripping from pit to pit of self-loathing and self-harm. You know, she's a really quite violently um, dislocated soul.
1: Yeah, and that comes through really well um it's that it's really arresting in that sort of way um the other thing that i found really interesting was so um she talks a lot about a piece of music called um the trout quintet by schubert and um this is actually the second novel about musicians where that piece of music played fairly central part of it and equal music by vikram seth is about a quintet of people learning um the trout is it it's all
0: right i've never read that
1: so um when I listen, when I read that book, I was listen, I, you know, because they're just talking about Schubert the entire time. Yeah. So I was listening to the Trout, which is a really fantastic piece of music. Anyway, in this novel, she's re- she's referring to um, a documentary that was made in the late 1960s, where a group of incredibly famous musicians mm. get together to do this quintet. So the Trout, it's piano, violin, viola, cello, double bass. Um, and so I watched it on YouTube this week. So it's it's only about 55 minutes, and it's. Um, Zubin Mehta, who's best known for being a conductor, but he's playing bass. Um, Jacqueline Dupre, the famous cellist, her husband Daniel Barenboim. Itzhak Perlman, famous violinist. And then another person who's also really famous, who's Nova Carrero. And Peggy. And <laughs> Peggy. Um, no, the other person's equally as famous. Like they're all massively, massively, you know, they're some of the most famous classical musicians of the past 50 years. Um, and so it's a little bit of the sort of behind the scenes of them getting together and then the back half of it's just the performance. Right. It's really enjoyable to watch it. And if you're reading this book, you can just find it on YouTube. Just look God, you're, for...
0: you're furnishing a total wormhole now. Sorry, yeah. you look for what?
1: The Trout documentary, and it will just, the whole thing's on YouTube, so you can watch it. Uh, and it's just, it's really enjoyable, and it's a fantastic piece of music, and they do play it amazingly. But I was watching it thinking, because one of the things that character talks about is the difficulties when you've been a soloist to then just blend in right. to an orchestra. Yeah. Um, and I was watching these five musicians, all of whom are like major soloists, thinking, um, geez, how do you make that work? But I just, I wonder maybe if it's because they're all so famous that. I don't know, the thrill of playing together or whatever,
0: you just can get yeah, It's so
1: like just hang out on it. Planet Rockstar. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's all right. Anyway. Well, um, I really feel good. like you've deserved this book more than me because, you know, you can bring that backstory to it and the appreciation of the references. I just um I just thought that it was like the, the central character is so intriguing and she's so ballsy. Like she's she's outrageous and she's kind of simultaneously. Bulletproof and massively vulnerable, and it's just—it's a really fascinating female character.
1: T- I mean, look, a lot of this, a lot of her relationships with people, I found interesting. The one with her good friend, yeah, Olivia, or yeah, Olivia. One, um, Olivia, um, her relationship with her music teacher—really complicated and an interesting relationship. Um, but the one—the one that uh, the boyfriend, Mark. Yeah. But the one that I found the most compelling was with her mother. Yeah. And the scene where the mother opens up to her about. Um, an experiment when the child, when the girl was a baby, I won't say more to um, spoil it. But the way it's, the daughter i have actually react, got goosebumps
0: happening. Oh, it's—I feel like, like I need to read it again because yeah. at the end
1: I was like, "Oh!" And it wasn't the content of the experiment; it was the way the daughter reacted and the daughter's relationship with the mother. Um, yeah. It, yeah, it's really very, very uh, compelling.
0: It is a really striking, striking book. You know how when people say oh, this is a compelling new voice, <laughs> I just thought this is a really compelling new voice. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: I was. Thank you for that recommendation. I, oh,
0: look, I'm just glowing really really all over.
1: Really, rather enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> um, what else have you been doing? Uh, well, I've been listening to a few podcasts. Um, I uh, I've been I went on a bit of a drive. Uh, with children aboard, and so, you know, it's actually quite hard to find things that are suitable for kids that are, I mean, my kids are sort of 7 to 13, and I find some of the kids' podcasts are a little bit baby, like, and they're just not of interest to my 10-year-old or my 13-year-old, mm-hmm. um, we listened to most of a podcast called The Unbelievable Disappearance of Mars Patel, mm-hmm. which is a really, it's a radio play essentially, a radio serial play um, played by kids and it's kind of like, it's a little bit like Stranger Things. Um, uh, the kids are disappearing, it's mysterious, it's not too scary. Um, the kids' um, continued presence is really reassuring and the kids' performances are superb my one criticism is that there's so many ads in this like you've got to like the episodes are only 15 minutes long and the first four minutes is like ads and stuff so you've got to fall forward through those but right. um but kids loved it um but one of the um other podcast platforms that um uh we dug into with great success was 99 invisible oh yeah it's like it's such a great um, series. It's got this millions of um, podcasts on there. And it's it's usually something a bit science-y or something a bit history-y. And um, one of the um, podcasts that we um, listened to that they were just absolutely gobsmacked by was called The Inventorium, And it's about how um, in the early parts of the 20th century, in America, if you hadn't, a premature baby, you didn't stay in hospital for the baby to be looked after. The only way that a seriously premature baby would survive was if you took it to um, an amusement park, which around America had very frequently infantoriums, where as part of your ticket to the amusement park, you could go and visit a... um, a sterile room where they had tiny, tiny premature babies being kept alive and you could go and goggle at them. and
1: Like a freak show kind of thing.
0: Exactly like oh a freak show. God. I mean this was this completely bizarre phenomenon. There was a real fatalism about um, premature births still in American hospitals at that time. The view was that God had not intended these babies to survive so they just wouldn't. And if you were a particularly enterprising parent of one of these tiny scraps then you would Rush them to an inventorium and have them raised by a showman, essentially. It's the most bizarre thing. Oh my and God, that's just isn't incredible. it incredible? It's so weird and yet also true. Um, and then it goes into um, uh, you know, the background of the impresario who kind of um, created this um, trend, craze. In America. Um, and then um, it goes on to another entirely, entirely bizarre spin off story about a um, set of quintuplets who were raised in a, um, essentially, in a um, theme park because they were so remarkable. They were taken away from their parents and raised in a theme park so that everybody could goggle at them. Oh my God. Uh, it's just, wow. <laughs>
1: Is just what what era are we talking
0: about? 1920s, 30s. Wow, yeah, baby. That is it's boring. so strange. And like, because Mike is like, Ugh, stupid history podcast, and they're like, wow, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, of course, have been listening to nothing other than strong songs, yeah, naturally. Yeah. Um, just can I just say a quick shout out to two episodes? Um, yes. Tightrope, which is a Janelle Monáe song, Kirk, because, you know, I'm just in love with Kirk who hosts it. I know you are. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just his explanation is just so elegant and fantastic and just brilliant. Um, And then there's also one um, looking at the band Queens of the Stone Age where Dave Grohl, who, as you know, I also love, happens to be filling in as a drummer on this particular song. And Kirk does this incredible comparison of this section of Dave Grohl's drumming and he says it's structured like a limerick and then he reads a limerick aloud. You know, he once was a man from blah. And then he plays, he breaks it down. He does one line of a limerick per bit of Dave Grohl's drumming, and you see that Dave Grohl's drumming is fitting exactly that rhythmic <gasps> pattern. And it's really, it's like, it's almost like Dave Grohl is like speaking through his drums. Like it's absolutely amazing.
0: Would you ever consider doing a sort of a an l- affair with Dave
1: Grohl? One hundred percent.
0: Definitely, I've thought about it a lot. Really? Um, uh, hard, yes. Have you had any sexy dreams about him? No. All right, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> just checking. Uh, so I imagine if you did a, like a live video stream of just you listening to episodes of Strong Songs. Well, have you I reckon seen it most- would just be you going like, what?
1: It would be. What? It totally would be. Yeah. Um, Have you seen those two, the twins in Los Angeles who listen to 70s and 80s songs for the first time and they film their reaction to it?
0: Oh, no, you've told me about this though and you've you've even sent me a link which I haven't looked at yet. Oh, my God.
1: You get stuck down such a bad rabbit hole. Um, (laughs) The first one to look at, I mean, look, all of them are absolutely adorable. The one that I looked at, which was my gateway drug, was Jolene by Dolly Parton. Oh, right. Um, But it's hilarious when if you know the song, I mean, and they listen to really famous songs that they've never heard before. If you know the song... and you know what's coming. Like this morning I was watching them. They were listening to In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. Are you waiting for? <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 yeah. Do, do. And you should see them. So it's just got that sort of, it's got that sound, synth and Phil Collins doing his stuff and they're just like sort of yeah. on So diluted. far i in, <laughs> in their elevator. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this is all right. Yep. Yeah. And then it just goes, boom, 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 boom. And they like, literally both like just jump out of their seats. It's just such a so hilarious. But, yeah, they've listened to, oh, you know, just a million amazingly famous songs and they've just got the most <laughs> – both of them have got, I reckon, an incredible sort of musical ear and they're, but it's their enthusiasm that just gets you over the line. They're just Like the other day I was watching, um, it was one of the guys by himself was listening to Somebody to Love by Freddie Mercury, Freddie Mercury singing it live. Yeah. And at the end he was just like, I, I, no, I just can't even speak. He was like, I've got nothing to say because that guy is unbelievable. <laughs> anyway, they are absolutely adorable, the two of them. Um, the, I have listened to one other podcast, which I'll give a little shout out to. It's called Crossbred. Mm. It's, um, it's also like a radio play kind of thing.
0: <laughs> the premise of it is. Why are this, you laughing already?
1: Just because it's so ridiculous. And it was. I was walking along the street, just doubled over. Um, it's this guy who's just an absolute dickhead who works in a donut shop. <laughs> he goes. <laughs>
0: Great use and tonal use of the word dickhead there.
1: He goes out on a date with this girl he's met from Tinder. Uh, he's a rapper in his spare right. time, a bad rapper. He goes out with this girl, turns out she's a Christian. She's, you know, uh, he so he pretends he's a Christian. Right. Tells her that she, he, she, he's a rapper and she goes, well, are you, gonna do, are you doing the Battle of the Bands? Are you doing the Christian Battle of the Bands? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I am. You should come tomorrow night so he can see her again. And then he gets his sister and says, well, now we've got to go and perform at this Christian rap Battle of the Bands. And then – but they're not Christians, but he makes up this stupid song. Anyway, um, what happens is they end up becoming unexpectedly like Australia's biggest Christian rock act, but then they've got to sort of hide the fact that they just don't <laughs> believe in God and that they're not Christians. Anyway, it's just it's Who's ridiculous. made this thing? Megan Washington is plays the sister. Wow. So it's like a radio drama. It's like a radio drama. How have yeah. I missed this? I don't know, but it's, it's just, just stupidly um, funny and, yeah, it's just <laughs> – Anyway, oh, I'm
0: have gonna a listen. listen to that. Have a listen to it.
1: The other thing that's made me really laugh. Have you ever looked at Hamish Blake's Instagram when he's making birthday cakes?
0: No, I haven't. But, like, is this on stories? Yeah. I'm an idiot. I don't know how to work the stories thing. So stories, they disappear after 24 hours. And I know you constantly say, oh, go and have a look at Sam Mack's story. I'm like, yes, I'll get onto it. And then, of course, If you don't, you've missed it, yeah. Yeah. So Hamish. It's not built for me. How do you even do one? Like, how do you start one? What sort of thing? Oh, I've got
1: limited. I I don't know. Myself, I don't use stories very often. Um, But. So Hamish Blake.
0: It sounds like a sort of Instagram butt dial to me. Like just well, it just means that if you,
1: maybe it's just something that you don't feel like needs to live on forever or whatever. Right. Um, so, or Sam Mack uses it very effectively because he'll have like a little unfolding drama that you're sort of seeing installments of as it happens. Right, okay. Yeah. Hamish Blake does these ones where, and they unfold over like seven or eight hours. Where he'll be, he's making a birthday cake for one of his kids or his yeah. wife or whatever, and they will have given some ridiculous instructions, like "I want a um, underwater
0: know, scene, an underwater like.
1: scene," and a, but it has to have fishes that are actually moving or swimming right. or whatever. I want this. I want a flappy bird, but its arms have to actually, wings have to actually flap. And then what he does is he drunk cooks them. Right. So he just gets progressively drunker with, I don't know, if it's a bottle of whiskey or whatever he's drinking. <laughs> That's and so always by cake,
0: baking, tipple of choice.
1: And he likes to start late at night. So everyone goes to bed and then he cracks out the booze and he starts the cake. And so you're watching <laughs> it unfold all night. It's often like there'll be bits that seem like they're not working. Just to be clear.
0: You're staying up to no, watch No, I just watch it in the morning. Flight, right, I okay. watch it all yeah. in the morning. to say. No,
1: no, I, I watch the whole thing later. But if you were watching it live, it would be very entertaining to see how he's going. And when I look at it, I think, this is, my God, he's at 3 a.m. and the wings don't work and he's drunk like half a bowl of whiskey. And <laughs> invariably, <laughs> <laughs> when you see it the next day, it is, he is an amazing cake maker. Really? Amazing. He does it. Incredible cakes, drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just because he's hilarious. They're always like massively hilarious and entertaining. So, but I don't, I don't know how you know when they're coming. I've just randomly
0: stumbled across just If you just, if you just did here. some research and worked out when his children were born, surely he'd You'd be able just to schedule it. Unless shed. he's just randomly assigning them birthdays that they don't have. I and mean, anyway, that would be.
1: It's, uh, it's, it's well worth a look if you ever stumble across
0: God, all right. Yeah. Great. Okay. Um, How are we going for time? Um, because. Oh! Bill Crabs concerned about time today. I'm just thinking of you. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, um, let's, let's um, wrap rabbit. Oh, I was going to say this Wait, What are you saying? Say? Like, well, I just you know, um, uh, as a follow-on from a lonely girl is a, is a dangerous thing. Yeah. Somebody recommended. Actually, I went to the that great bookshop in Byron Bay, and um, the assistant there said, "Oh, uh, you might like this." Um, because she'd noticed that I was raving about um, A Lonely Girl. yeah, And it's called Exciting Times by a woman called Nisha Dolan, who in the Irish way spells her name Uh N-A-O-I-S-E. And it is extremely funny. It's about an Irish expat living in Hong Kong Mm -hmm. and embarking upon a very weird sort of, slightly nihilistic relationship with a banker and then falls in love with a woman. Anyway, um, I'm going to read you a quick paragraph from it just to give you an idea of the tone of the – it's very, very funny, funny, funny. Like I read it and I thought Miranda Murphy would like this a lot. Great. She's teaching English as a foreign language in Hong Kong. My TEFL school was in a pastel-towered commercial district. They only hired white people but made sure not to put that in writing. Like shark's teeth, teachers dropped out and were replaced. Most were backpackers who left once they'd saved enough to find themselves in Thailand. I had no idea who I was, but doubted the Thais would know either. Because I lacked warmth, I was mainly assigned grammar classes, where children not liking you was a positive performance indicator. (laughs) I found this an invigorating respite from how people usually assessed women. Anyway... It's full of those little bits of gold. I got distracted
1: at the start, though, because when she said, like, shark's teeth, I was like, like, shark's teeth, what? Did shark's sharks teeth, teeth fall out.
0: Yeah. Do they? Yeah. Mate, that's why they've got rows and rows of them. Have you ever looked inside a shark's mouth? No. Seriously, like, they've got about five or six rows of teeth. Because so many of them fall out. Yeah, and then they just keep moving forward. It's unbelievable. Mate, freak yourself out. Google shark's teeth. You.
1: <laughs> wow, I had absolutely no idea. Did you see that story? I can't about... believe, like... How are you? How are you so
0: ignorant over like just? Well, what, just when in have vague... I ever needed
1: to know the the etymology of shark's teeth.
0: What you're saying you saying? You've you've been what a journalist in Australia for twenty <laughs> years, and you've never had to write a shark story? You've been a foreign <laughs> correspondent. You've never like looked up at. Lassie, I've
1: done more shark eating <laughs> Australian stories than you've had hot breakfasts.
0: <laughs> My favorite story that I ever ever did, I reckon, when I was um, uh, working in London, was you know that Damien Hurst shark. Um, yeah, in work of art. Yeah. yeah. Well, it got sold for like seven million pounds or something to some ridiculous banker or something. And then it started going a bit off, like it started going a bit cloudy. And I mean, I mean wow, it's a pickled shark. It goes a bit funny over time. Who would have thought it? Anyway.
1: Excuse me, I'm bringing up about the shark it's pickled in pickled informaldehyde that I bought for seven million pounds. Can't believe you're so bringing you're your mother awesome. into this. It seems to be, seems to be going off. <laughs> It doesn't smell right. Well, I did. If I pay, if I part with seven million pounds, I expect a shark that's going to stay in pristine pickled condition.
0: Anyway, it turns out that he's been flogging off these sharks, like reproduction. You know, smaller. You know, so it not the authentic. Well, this is Damon Hirst. Like he's essentially like he's on a roll, right? right. And so he's been pickling up sharks, left, right, and centre, and sharks? selling them off. Yeah, where does he get them from? Exactly right. That's exactly what I thought in my <laughs> living room where I was working from in London. I thought, where does he get these sharks? Anyway, so I start investigating. turns out there's this shark fisherman in Queensland who's got a couple of giant tub freezers and every now and again he gets one he thinks, oh, Damien, I like that.
1: And He's Hearst's supplier.
0: Correct. He, he, will, he will supply Hearst with a frozen shark every now and again. Anyway, I rang this guy. I eventually found him rang him <laughs> and interviewed him. No idea how much they were selling for. He's like, well, I don't know. I charge him about 500 Damien, bucks. Damien gives
1: me uh, 250 bucks a pop. And a slab. <laughs> and a slab. <laughs> <laughs> and necklace using a few of their spare tooth.
0: Oh, my God. He was the greatest character. Oh, that sounds absolutely fantastic. Yeah. it was um, shark-tastic.
1: There was two recent stories about Australian um, antics, Australian wildlife antics that I found fairly disturbing. One was, did you see the story in Hobart of that father and a
0: son? And there was oh, my God. Can't even. Yep. On a boat. Yeah.
1: And the shark, like, yeah.
0: got the kid off the boat. Yeah. It jumped out of the water and got the kid off the boat. I thought both father and son were remarkably calm after that. It leapt in the air, essentially, it grabbed the kid, who then escaped. The kid got was taken s- into the water, yeah. though. The father jumped in Correct. to get him back.
1: Uh, just. Yeah. Could you imagine, like, <sighs> I wouldn't be able to like lie in my bed at night if that happened to me, for fear that there would be like a shark just jumping up sure. from the side of the bed to get me out of it. Well, that's it a be...
0: reasonable apprehension, I think. <laughs> the other <laughs> the one. The great thing is that you know it would all be captured on live television because of that studio. You've got your bedroom right now, right? Like, <laughs> that's all right. Exactly. You won't believe what happened next to this news anchor. Do you know it was really, dirty, news <laughs> you <know> what's really... <laughs> Aussie news anchor just having a lovely sleep in her front front <laughs> yeah. nighty. She had the suddenly little, the little known, a white pointer, the little, the little known
1: carpet shark. <laughs> and just snatched her out of bed. Dave Grohl happened to be there.
0: <laughs>
1: um the uh Sorry, what was the other thing that horrified me? The other you? thing that horrified Get me, me was oh, well, two things actually, just another thing came to my mind that horrified me. The other day when I had to broadcast out of my bedroom. Oh,
0: I, I thought that's what we were talking about. Sorry. Yeah, we are oh, good. Okay. So, um You're all
1: when I so You know, like it's sort of vaguely disturbing that you just got all this gear in your room and all the time. Did
0: you have to hide anything? (laughs) No, although Callum your hesitation causes me to think that you did.
1: (laughs) No, I just was thinking. Oh, should I actually say this? But I think I can. But um, Callum, Sea Dog, um, said texted me and said, um, "Can you just make sure that you've put all of your sex toys away so none of them are accidentally in the background (laughs) and we all have to pretend later that they're art." Um, so it's sort of disturbing and you, I sort of have had these jokes that like, well, how do I know that, you know, it's just not, you know, just remote control filming me the entire time and there's sure. you know, some psychos out there just watching me sleep. That's reasonable.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: anyway, the other day, so I've, there's a thing called the live view. that's the device that, activates it all and hooks it into the sydney studio so you listeners, if you have any there. further
0: questions uh about this let me refer you to lee sales's interminable live feed on social media <laughs> last week explaining exactly how all of these appendages actually work <clears throat>
1: so the the, the the line that on my instructions i was supposed to go in was like sydney two one or something like oh, that oh god and so when i dialed it up it's going sydney oh. four three and so i thought well I don't want to touch any buttons that I'm not familiar with here. That's
0: the ABC's live sex feed, so, like, just look (laughs) out.
1: (laughs) It was going Sydney 6-9. I was like, what?
0: Normally it's just Costa going for it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just stop it. Anyway, so I thought, oh, I don't know what to do here because I don't want to touch something because I might, you know, that I'm not not authorised to touch.
0: So... I, I love watching director. you on the precipice of a major malfunction. <laughs> it's the most beautiful sight in the world. So, so, from, from so you've director. got a real kind of red wire, blue wire <laughs> yeah. happening here.
1: Totally, that's right. Which one should I clip? So I'm <laughs> the phone to them going, on, just, oh, which one? Which one? It's 729. <laughs> 729. <laughs> <laughs> so I've gone, I'm not really sure what to do because it's not, I don't want to touch any wrong buttons here, but it's not showing me 2 1. Well. It's got me on 4 3. Anyway, so next thing I see the screen on it just goes remote and it's just been, the control of it has been seized yeah. remotely.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. Disturbing the way moments. it is 23 hours That's a day. Right. <laughs> As the crew enjoyed like a live vision of you reading novels oh, and then switching off the light at nine. It's quick get over
1: here, she's eating burgerings again. Um no, the other story that I saw about wildlife at Stirpie was, oh my god, in Queensland, of course. Um, this dude gets pulled over by the police because he's speeding at some insane rate down the freeway. Right. The is he riding a
0: mobile eski? Because that's what it usually is.
1: <laughs> no. He was in a Ute or something. Uh-huh. Uh the reason he's speeding is because there's an actual taipan in the like, you know, under his passenger oh. seat,
0: wrapping around his leg. How does he think that going faster is going to help?
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you wouldn't be going slow. I don't know. I, who knows what takes over your mind? So the I think no, he him over. he'd been bitten. He thought he'd been bitten is what happened. Oh. Yeah. He hadn't actually been bitten. So the cops have pulled you Could you imagine that? You've got a Taipan wrapped around your leg. You think you've been bitten, you look in your rearview mirror and you go, Oh God, the cops are gonna pull you over now,
0: oh God Anyway. Oh so. it's like speed and snakes on a plane combined oh. as movie concept. Just <laughs> the absolute worst. I'm optioning the rights for that film. Oh, By the I'm way, exhausted. Now. God, I'm spent-, spent. You've gone on and on. Oh, this has gone. Just- this has been very long. Now, I know
1: now. I you know what I feel like now when you go on and no, on. No, I don't know. I've loved
0: it. it. I have no problems at all. Okay, good. All
1: right, let's wrap it. Okay. <laughs>